Most Christians will not become pastors and missionaries. Most Christians, however, will live in neighborhoods and go to jobs and have friends and family. These are our mission fields, and we should prepare ourselves in the same way that other called people prepare themselves. Hi there, this is Study with Friends, a weekly dive into the answers and questions we find in the Bible, in the church, and in the broader Christian faith. I'm Paige, and this week we are talking about expanding our apologetics toolbox with help from Holly's book, Searching for God. We use long-form programming, and this episode is a part of a series. You can get all the rest of the episodes, learn more about the guests in this series, about the resources we provide, and about the larger work that we are doing all at studywithfriends.org. Now let's begin today's episode. So the next thing, so we're talking still about Searching for God. The book is available on our website. Uh, We've been talking about how Christianity is viewed in the culture, talking a little bit about um, some competing beliefs, some ways that... uh, Christianity, our culture has been inoculated. Uh, I think that's just a really great term. But it's it's a Tim Keller term for how uh, our culture sort of thinks we understand Christianity and it's not for us. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I want to talk about now is uh, some competing beliefs mm-hmm. um, and how we can identify them, sort of recognize them, and uh, have, I hate to use the word armor, because it's uh, what, I'm go- what I'm trying not yeah, to do, not which is battle. Term, but right. um, have um, tools, I don't know what the word is, but have some foundation for intelligent conversation informed by an understanding of that person's competing belief. Mm-hmm. So before I talk about that, I'm going to say again how important I think it is not to assume in the same way we don't want people to assume what mm-hmm. Christianity is or what our like perception of Christianity is. Like listen. Christians should have some foundational essentials that we share. Uh But the truth is, not everybody who calls himself a Christian believes the same thing. So in the same way that we wouldn't want people to make assumptions about our belief system, we shouldn't make assumptions about other people's beliefs. Mm -hmm. Having said that, when we ask good questions, we will likely find some markers that indicate what the competing belief is. is. That is in that person's heart and mind boxing out Christianity. So that's what we want to talk about. We're going to talk about three really big systems that a lot of other things fall under. We're going to talk about naturalism, Mm -hmm. relativism, and religious pluralism. Those are, they cover a lot. And so we're going to do the work of understanding what they cover and how we can get our footing in a conversation where where those things emerge. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, do you want to just give me your 
here's my overview of those three things or do you want to you want to no. like say any no i'd rather hold off so <laughs> so like, no holly you just do it all. and i well so i say that because um again our brains are different which is what makes things interesting right if we were all the same it wouldn't be as interesting but our brains are different so my brains do not my brain does not um fully uh grasp definitions and yet when i see it i go of course that's right okay right so what do you mean when you say you so don't when grasp- i see naturalism i don't go oh naturalism is the state of da, 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 da. oh so what you mean is not that you don't grasp the de- definition but that you can't regurgitate it exactly okay so my brain doesn't do that and yet when i see a full concept i go oh this concept really makes me think of this okay that's right? good so, for me to hear yeah. because maybe you can help me understand how to equip someone who doesn't isn't able to like regurgitate yeah. it. So I, I re- before we mic'd up, I said to you my plan for our this whole series, and one I said I'm gonna talk a little bit about Kalam, and I saw your eyes go like, <laughs> right? <laughs> but I, uh, what I meant by that was the Kalam cosmological argument. Uh, it's just a really fancy word for a really sturdy uh, case mm-hmm. for creation. And I want to make it simple. Mm-hmm. Um, how do I do that? What, like, what would be, like, well, I'm never use the expression Kalam. <laughs> what is it? Kalam <laughs> cosmological so, argument. So, and I, I say this to you. Someone came to me and, and we were having a discussion and they were like, oh, so you nev- you're a universalist. And I'm like, no, I'm not even <laughs> like, why are you defining me? Yeah. And so we had to go back and have a conversation about, what I genuinely believed. Now the person was trying to offend me, so it was a totally different situation. But um, rather, the I'm much more about the concept. And then if you define it later, so uh, I'm going to use. A, so an how example. do you root the concept if you don't have the definition in hand? Well, so it's a great question. Uh, I am extreme shades of gray, and so. So when someone says to me they are a complementarian, mm-hmm. right? I would say I'm not necessarily complementarian, but I kind of lean towards the complementary, right? Because I'm a shade of gray. So I wouldn't call myself a hardcore complementarian. Oh, you don't like So are you saying you don't like the um the finality of a definition? Yes. And so so that concept to me I'm kind of uh, it, it's too final. It's too black and white for my brain. So you're a little relativist. <laughs> <laughs> but I believe in truth. I believe in truth. I I'm believe just teasing you. Jesus is right. Right, right. But so I believe that there's Jesus. So truth. there are some things in your life that are black and white. There are some things but that are very most cl- things are gray. But yes. And I think that's interesting. Yes. That's a good thing for us to grapple yeah. with. Because I think you're probably more Probably there's a lot of people who can identify with yeah. that. Okay, so. Which I think it's always funny to be the black and white. My husband's a black and white. And so we, we always kind of joke about that. Because I'll go, that's I'm true, more black, but. I'm more black and white, Greg. Helps me see a lot of gray. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think I'm more a black and white person. Yeah. Um, it either is or it isn't this. And that's my I know there is a lot more gray in the yeah. world. Like I, I, But I'm definitely, I lean more towards the. Yeah. I like the, I mean, yes. I, I'm terrible at math, but I love the idea of math. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. there's a right answer. Yeah, finality. I like it. the idea that right. there's a right answer. So um, it appeals to me, like, relativism would never appeal to me. Yeah. Relativism is my truth, your truth. Um, Which I agree, there is a truth. Yeah. Right? 
But I'm like, how do we get yep, to that? Yep, yep, yep. Okay. So right? we'll get like, to that. Let's not get ahead. But right. but what you're saying is really intriguing to me because of course I agree. I don't even think the words naturalism, relativism, and religious pluralism should come up in these conversations. So I certainly don't think the Kalam cosmological argument should come right. up in these conversations. <laughs> but it's really good to understand what that I argument agree. is. And later we're going to talk about the minimal facts the argument for the resurrection. Um, these are tools that you put in your toolbox. Yeah. And whether you can articulate them or not, you should know them as truth. And that's why I want to do some work mm -hmm. in them um, because there's a reason that these are sort of foundational building blocks yeah. uh, for most people who do apologetics. Um, and that's a good time for me to also say the trajectory of the conversation that we're having on this series is also my recommended trajectory with respect to how you develop a conversation with someone who has a competing worldview. Mm -hmm. uh, shoot, I said worldview. I, we're trying <laughs> to stay away from the word that word. It's yeah. a it's a it's a word that's fallen out of favor. But competing ideas. Um, and the other thing I just want to as because you said something and it just kind of shot in my brain. Another reason for. Uh, I, I hold back a little on definitions is because now in my head I will say, oh, well, that person's a naturalist, so then I need to argue mm -hmm. against naturalism, mm -hmm. right? Rather than hearing, and I'm, I'm saying this because I'm thinking her, I have someone very specific in mind that I know that's a naturalist. And so I, rather than sitting back and just listening to her ideals and her thoughts and her concepts on it and then discussing mm -hmm. what that means to mm -hmm. her. Mm -hmm. And so... I don't want to say that person's a naturalist. That's exactly that way. that's exactly right. That's what yeah. I'm saying too. I'm saying have understand yeah. it, but don't stamp a person right. with it. Yeah, because, but so for me, it's more about knowing the questions to ask them mm -hmm. to disarm and deconstruct yeah. their competing idea before you ever defend your own. Yeah. So, I'll, let me do Kalam, and uh, and then I can talk to you about how that would practically play out in, mm -hmm. in a conversation. Okay, so uh, let me just, before I do that, um, I want to highly recommend the One Minute Apologist, um, because uh, it's on Reasonable Faith, which is uh, William Lane Craig, who was a, a collaborator in this project, um, and he defines these things in one minute. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's really helpful because even though he uses really big, big SAT words, um, sometimes he, he also does it in a really accessible way. And if you can define something in one minute, mm -hmm. it can't be that complicated. So um, just as a f uh, supportive structure mm -hmm. for the things that we're going to really gloss over. I do highly recommend the one minute apologist and you can just go on YouTube and do one minute apologist and just type in Kalam <laughs> and it's spelled K A L A M. Mm -hmm. um, so, and a lot of the things that we're uh, going to talk about today, um, you can get on a, a lot of the contributors websites. We all are trying to do work to use the internet for good. Uh, yeah. and, and what you said, uh, on an earlier episode, which is we have so much at our fingertips. So like those of us who are doing the work of the church need to be digitally wise yes. and say, here's, here's a way to disseminate this. Yeah. Uh, that's different than I love in person, but, um, we also need to be digitally wise. So first we'll talk about naturalism. What, 
Why don't you define naturalism? <laughs> Since you hate definitions, give me your best. I do. This is why I don't want to define naturalism. <laughs> well, give so me your, you said that you have a friend who's a naturalist. What what do you think that means her competing ideas are made of? What is the DNA of her belief system? So I'm going to say, so I guess I, I, I'm, now that I'm looking at this, I'm thinking that's probably not what she is because it's saying, it, it, one of the things she's saying here is, is nature is all that exists all things supernatural, therefore, do not exist. Mm -hmm. uh, I would agree. She is more of a nature versus God. So nature is everything. So I would uh, say that she's not a naturalist. Mm -hmm. So uh, for her, it's um, Mother Earth. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's um, is not pantheism. It's um, starts with a P. It'll come to me. All right. <laughs> See? Definition. <on> the <laughs> Dang, it's falling out of my brain. But go ahead. So that's why, so so when it's described in here in the book, which I think is great, uh, that they don't believe in anything supernatural. And I would say, now, maybe I'm going off on a tangent here, but Sadducees would probably have been considered that, right? W considered what? Considered naturalists in that they didn't believe in the resurrection. Okay, sidebar. Yeah. The way that I think it's better to think of the Pharisees and Sadducees is um, conservatives and liberals. Okay. They were uh, a Jewish sect, mm -hmm. as were the Essenes. Um, so there were three big sects in uh, what we call Second Temple Judaism, which was the time that Jesus came. And uh, the Pharisees were like legalists. So think of like conservatives yeah. who are like hyper conservative, who are like, it has to be like this. It right. can't be any other way. That was like the Pharisees. The Sadducees were liberals. They had been influenced by um, Hellenistic culture. Mm -hmm. They um, sort of they sort of thought like, can't we all live together? I can still hold my belief system and also adopt. Yeah. There, there's a word called syncretism that that would sort of um, not exactly be right here, but um, that idea of like I can embrace the culture and still hold my faith beliefs so maybe that would be like a liberal mm -hmm. um liberal yeah. christian and then there would there was the essenes which you didn't ask about but they were like they would be like what some people would consider like a cult i i wouldn't i i don't think that's a good definition but yeah. they were like the reason that i say that is because they um physically separated themselves like they lived apart they they just were like it was a commune kind yeah. of situation. So it was that kind of, so if you put, put that in a box, wherever that fits in your brain, the Sadducees, um, it, it wasn't like you, you could say, oh, they believe this or don't believe that. Um, but, well, of course you can, which is a whole conversation yeah. for another day. But I think it's better to put them in those boxes mm -hmm. contextually for, for our um, modern yeah. mind. That it's like the Pharisees were like the legalists. The Sadducees were like the liberals mm -hmm. and the Essenes were like, and Jesus was coming in and saying, I've got something different, yeah. which is here is truth and live in the world, but not of the world. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's what he was sort of dealing yeah. with. Is that helpful? Yeah. Okay. Um, so. Should I define it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we're, I'm looking at um, page 31 yep. in the book. And, um, the first paragraph is not particularly helpful if you're not going to look in the glossary because yeah. there's a lot of other really big words in there. Um, but basically, a naturalist is what you said, which mm. is 
only that which can be measured can possibly be true. Um, if I can't see it, taste it, touch it, feel it, measure it, if it doesn't always behave the same in predictable and objectively measurable ways, then it can't be truth. So science is it, super tied into this. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll say here that I think science beautifully complements Christianity. I'm a Agreed. huge scientist-minded person. Um, so I don't think those things compete. In fact, I know that they don't. Because when you think about science, it is the measure of the observe the uh, the you know the measurements of the observable world. Mm-hmm. So by nature, science couldn't possibly um, have a good handle on those things which are not of the natural yeah. world and predictable, like miracles or anything supernatural. Because science is rooted in that which can be predicted, measured, te- in and you know tangibly tangibly experience Mm -hmm. so that fine great i think god said god gave us science for sure he wants us it's another way to me that he wants to be known Mm -hmm. and we uncover him so no conflict there for me but for some uh it's it's the it's the blocker yeah if i can't predictably measure it it can't be true. If I can't understand it through the methodologies of science and math, then I, I can't understand it. You so know? I'm going to ask you a question then because I do a few Bible studies and one of the things, and it kind of makes me cringe when I hear it, but one of the things that comes up often, some of them are younger believers, one of the things that comes up often is they scientifically explain away, I don't want to say away, Mm -hmm. they scientifically explain all the miracles that we read about. So right now we're in Genesis. So there was a scientific, you know, explanation about why it rained, a scientific explanation about, you know, parting the seas, whatever it might be, like, oh, there was an asteroid, we we find that there was an asteroid at that time, or whatever. And so what are your thoughts on that in, um, what are your thoughts on that in developing some of those some of those thoughts? Would you consider them more of a naturalist? Uh, okay, so would I consider that person a naturalist yeah. if they're if they're grabbing for a scientific reason yes. that a miracle happened? Yes. Yes. Okay. Because what that shows evidence of is that they're the way they make sense of the world is like this. Yeah. Is like is there an explanation? A scientific explanation. Mm-hmm. So I've also heard people say there's a meteorological explanation for the parting of the Red Seas. Like yes. That is a big wind. Yep. One of the things that uh, I know you, you love, I'm <laughs> going to say the Kalam College. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that's um, rooted that, that the Kalam, that that argument is rooted in, cosmological argument, is that if that, if, if that meteorological experience were if that were the reason why did it just happen that one time right that would be the that would be the question that i would press them on so do you see what i i i Mm -hmm. accepted i didn't make fun of and i i i think within the bounds of christianity we could even say perhaps god did use a big wind like right it could have been right 
Who knows how he did it? The Bible doesn't tell us how. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows how. No records seem to be have, have, have been kept on how it happened or what it looked like. I mean, we all have the daggum movie idea in our head yep. of the Ten Commandments and what it looked like yeah. in the movie, but that might not be what it looked like. Right. So I can say, you, you might be right about that. Maybe it was a big wind that caused that to happen why do you think that never yeah. happened again yeah the world is not so geographically or meteorologically different in recorded history mm-hmm. leaving global warming aside that was, that's been pretty gradual so let's not blame yeah. that for meteorology meteorology being <laughs> completely different now yeah. that sea exists the mountains and the and the plains around it exist. Weather is predictable. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that only happened the one time? Yeah, that's a question I think they would have to grapple with, right? Even if it was just like taking out this, like we disagree on the how. Let's talk about the why. Mm-hmm. Just shift, shift the conversation into a place that, because if a person is a naturalist, they like to have answers that they can depend on yeah and if you just i'm going to say it again disarm and deconstruct that's a that's the deconstruct part like i'm deconstructing what she's saying a little bit gently Mm -hmm. i could so in in the case of disarm and deconstruct there my first thing would be that's valuable to me like i'm disarming you yeah i've just said to you i i have no issue with that and so now you know we aren't in right. an argument. Yeah. So I've disarmed. And now I'm just going to gently deconstruct mm-hmm. by saying, I wonder why, that's another great phrase, I wonder why, or why do you think, or what are your thoughts on, Yeah. because it's an invitation yeah. into conversation and not like, I wonder why that only happened that one time then. If that were the case, why didn't that happen all the time? Mm-hmm. Why don't we see it happening right now? Right. That seems weird. Yeah. And it's that's a good, meaty question to consider. Do we see it happening? It is. That's interesting. It Have is. Have I seen that happen again? Yeah. yeah. Right? That and is and a great and question and to consider. You know, Greg Kokel, who's another great apologist, he has um, uh, his own tools that he uses. And what he says is, just leave a stone in her shoe. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't have to settle it. Just let her walk away with that little stone in her shoe that she's like a little less comfortable in her shoes walking away from your question than she was coming in. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know. I'm uncomfortable now. There's a stone in my shoe. Yeah. I'm uncomfortable. I got to get that stone out, especially a naturalist. Yeah. Because they want to understand things in the context of a greater uh, scaffolding. Yeah. This program is produced by Study With Friends. Learn more about us at studywithfriends.org and sign up there for email devotionals or download our Bible studies for free. If you are blessed by our work, please consider supporting our ministry with a donation. We believe in the local church. Please find a congregation where you can plug in and experience all aspects of the Christian life. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time when we study with friends.